Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. And yeah, I, I do think it makes a difference because I really loved editing podcasts on the mini for a while. Um, and I did it because it was so light, but it did get like it, it blurry. Like when you're wanting to go back and forth in the timeline, it, it gets pretty blurry. And I, I just I like the promotion for that. Welcome back to the episode of iPad Pros, and welcome to 2023. I can't wait to see what will be happening in the iPad world this year. But to kick off this year, we welcome back Stephen Robles from Apple Insider, who was last on a little under a year ago for episode 133 of this podcast, back on January 20th, 2022. In this episode, we touch on a bunch of different topics, including HomeKit, networking, the M2 iPad Pro, Ferrite 3, network detached storage, DaVinci Resolve versus Final Cut, and password management, amongst a bunch of other little topics. You can find his videos over at youtube.com slash at beardfm, and make sure to check out his podcast, the Apple Insider Podcast, as well as HomeKit Insider. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash epipros, or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports this show. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. With that, here's my discussion with Steven. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Steven. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So it's now 2023, and uh, it feels like a lot's happened uh, since we last chatted. For sure. It's been a couple of years. I guess a couple of years, right? I don't even know. 2021, maybe? I, I don't know. It's been a bit. I, I thought it was last year. I might be mistaken. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But it's been a while. And since that's happened, we have new iPads. We have Stage Manager that is not crashing anymore on the external <laughs> display as well. This is like, it's like a reliable system for me, at least. That's good. I, I do not use Stage Manager. I okay. tried it during the the beta period just so I could talk about it, you know, on the podcast. And then I was like, I'm good without it. I, I don't, I, it doesn't tempt me, I guess. Yeah, and, and your setup is uh, on the go is the iPad. And then at the desk, you have a Mac. So with me, the iPad's the one and only. So the external monitor makes it more like a desktop computer when I'm here, which is nice. So you're all in. You're you're like iPad only. Yeah, iPad like I, everything? you know, a while back, it's like iPads. These things are really expensive. I, I you know spent two thousand dollars on iPad. Uh, you know, upkeeping to like another two thousand dollar Mac just seems like I have a I have a listeners will know I have a Mac from two thousand eleven, my eleven inch MacBook Air that's running High Sierra. Whoa. So that's my Mac. I pull out every now and then wow. to to do some iTunes match business. Sheesh. And then my wife has my wife has an M one MacBook Air. And every now and then I'll I'll use that, but yeah, mainly it's just the side hat here. That's 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 pretty slick. And so, and is there ever a time where you run into a I need to go to my 2011 Mac to like do something on a website, some like health website or whatever? Not that the iTunes Match thing is still the thing that gets me. You can't upload new MP3s to your iTunes Match sure. collection. It's. Uh, that's that's the one thing because I still uh, I buy these limited edition soundtracks like three thousand copies. They have some special licensing agreement for this you know extent expanded score like Amistad's twenty fifth anniversary just came out. I just got that for Christmas, and there's this all this sure. unreleased music. And the only way to get that iTunes, <laughs> rip it on the Mac. I wish yeah. they could just add a share button. 
to yeah. music. That'd like, just add music to the share menu, you know, do whatever. And we even have DRM. You know. So, you know, potentially someone could write uh, an app that reads CDs through DriverKit, which I'd love to see happen. No one's using DriverKit yet. That So, well, like, you could actually connect a CD or, like, Blu-ray drive to an iPad? Hypothetically, this is – I don't know what DriverKit entails, but there's this new API at iOS, iPad OS 16 that's called DriverKit, where you can write drivers for your app in hardware. Hypothetically, someone could make a CD-ripping app. If app well, yeah. now <clears> – <throat> I'm not no, sure if I mean, hard, like, like the CD drive maker might need to make the app is the thing. I'm not sure any third party could do it. Yeah. Right. Because I actually use, I have a Blu-ray drive. It's an LG USB Blu-ray drive, but I have it connected to my Mac because yeah. every once in a while you got to rip a disc. Yeah, you I do. rip and I put it on my Plex server, goes to my Synology and, you know, so it just sits there. It does. Yeah, there's still movies that aren't available digitally, like all Peter Jackson's really sure. old stuff. That's not there. Um, there's a sure. few just yeah, just random things that still <laughs> you can't pay anybody any money digitally to get this thing. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, and for like kids' school stuff, sometimes too. Like, oh yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna pop a DVD in. Like, I don't even have a DVD player hooked up to any TV, and so I'll just rip it, put it on Plex, and then they can share that. Yeah, which. <clears throat> I wish I don't know maybe do you use Plex personally? I um so I have a Synology now that's a new thing since the end of 2022. Um okay. so I've been experimenting with that. I have Plex installed on that thing, but I've found is I'm just using the Synology stuff. I can actually download uh you know stuff on the Synology's like downloader thing and sure. um it's super fast to like use Synology's drive app to just like play back the movies on the iPad or phone or whatever. Uh, within the house sure. and even um, far away, the whatever technology they use to like route your stuff like via the internet uh, anywhere you are is pretty impressive. So I can be like yeah. halfway across the world and download stuff pretty quickly off the Synology, which is it's wild. It's amazing. I've just recently had to get into like how to share, like add people to my Plex library. Yeah, because I wanted to because I have videos on there that I've. Two of my sons want to access it on their iPads, yeah. but they want their play progress to be theirs. Right. Like they don't want to have the other person watch a little more and then it overrides. So I'm trying to create individual accounts, but then I realized I need to buy Plex Pass per user. Oh. Because as, as, as far as I know, I don't yeah. think there's any kind of like family subscription for plex it's like a per user basis so yeah i don't know if any of you if you or any of your listeners know anything about that or if there's a better way to do it I'm that'll honest. get expensive real fast even on sale that thing's expensive for the lifetime yeah right and i would do the lifetime because i mean i'm sure we'll use it long term and then there's also like a five dollar playback thing but i don't know yeah. if that's enough i don't know it's, it's yeah, i, I am attached to a bunch of friends's plexes but I've not yet <laughs> set up my own server kind of thing. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I do love it, you know, ripping, ripping old DVDs, streaming them to the Apple TV. It works great. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you do much with NASAs and stuff, or um, is the Mac Studio, does that have – do you remote into that for storage or – I use I use my Synology for video footage, you know, because yeah. uh, my my main gigs now all involve making video. It's you know the 4K video, so it's pretty uh, storage intensive, and so I will edit on like a one terabyte SSD mm-hmm. OWC drive yeah. that's connected to my Mac Studio, 
And then in Final Cut, I will move events to a Final Cut library on the Synology. And so that's kind of my process. Oh, you're at, you're as an archive or you're editing off of it? Editing off of it is not feasible. Yeah. Like I, I tried a couple times <laughs> and I mean, I'm hardwired Ethernet. My Mac Studio, it's got the Ethernet directly to the Synology, whatever. Yeah. It's just not fast enough for okay. 4K video. And it's spinning um, disks. You hear those things. It's like, oh my gosh, this is what it used to be like. And yeah, you hear that them. too. Yep. That too. And so that I edit off like a one terabyte SSD and that's great, super fast, no lag. And then I will move things to the Synology Final Cut library as I archive. And okay. so, so yeah, that's, that's cool. my process. Yeah. Um, my iPad's finally wired into Ethernet as well, um, through the dock. <laughs> wow. Which is, it's kind of a funny thing. It's like you could do this and it, it works pretty well. Um, I have that's the, intense. you do the home kit in Firefox. I have one of the only home kit routers out there, um, the, uh, Linksys one. I think uh, Amazon's does that as well now. Yeah, the the Eros do it, and the Lynxes Velop, and I think I think that might be it. I was so mad because I got one of the nice Velop systems. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> well, but some Velops have it and some don't, oh. and mine was like the uh, MX fifty three hundred, which was one of the faster ones, and it still never got HomeKit. Yeah, I've stopped using the Velop because I went to a Ubiquiti Unify system. Yep. But my Velop still has not gotten the update, so I'm That's pretty sure it's never going wild. to. <laughs> I'll tell you, the second one I got to add... Um, so my iPad's Etherneted into uh, a node, which it sounds like, how is that better than Wi-Fi? But I've done speed tests, and it, the nodes seem... Do, do you know how, the, how this magic works? The nodes seem faster than my own iPad's Wi-Fi. I connect to the Wi-Fi upstairs versus Etherneting into this node, which is also wirelessly connecting to that. How does that yeah, work? I do not. I do not know the ins and outs of that. Like, I'm not sure if it's just using the five gigahertz 2.4 networks yeah. to share the internet, or if there's some kind of proprietary wireless thing. Like, I'm really not sure. Yeah, like it feels um, like there's some backend thing that's even faster than what my iPad is on the whatever AX or C or whatever it's doing. But. That's that, that's that's impressive, and the, and now the M2 iPad, the first Apple device with 6E. Yeah, so, so you have a but, fancy ubiquity. Is that a 6E network? It is not. Okay, <laughs> it's Wi-Fi six, <laughs> and uh, ubiquity does not make yet. I think a 6E access point that's like ceiling mounted. I don't think yet. Okay. Um. So they they have like one commercial device that's 6E, but it's not something that I want right now. I don't know if I'll they're upgrade either. Like, right now too. they're also very expensive, and you know, I just built out this network as we built our house six months ago, and so everything works great. Like the Wi-Fi is great. I'm not not interested yet in uh, up. I love that you have like ceiling mounted Wi-Fi, like it was thought of in the construction of your new house. That's brilliant. Uh, abs- that was a very grateful that I got to plan some of that, run all the Ethernet cable myself. There's one guest room that now has an Apple TV. I wish I had run Ethernet to it. I didn't because I was like, eh, and now it's actually being used, and I'm like, man, I should have done it. So for, just cautionary tale for anyone who has the opportunity to actually run your cables before drywall goes up in a construction, Yeah, run the Ethernet everywhere, every room. Yeah. Like bathroom doesn't matter. Just run it everywhere. You never know. You never yeah, know when you want. But yeah, it. I'm I'm super impressed with the mesh. You know how that works because the PS5 is down here at the desk, oh, yeah. and I'm remote playing into it. It feels like what's wired, and it's uh, so that because yeah, I use the um, 
power line stuff before, and that stuff has never worked for me. It's just so slow. Yeah, and that could, that could be a little janky, like electrical circuits. You have to be like on the same circuit or whatever, and weird stuff. But yeah, yeah the unit the unified system is great. Really long range too. I have one Eve outdoor camera that's like right on the edge, and I lose connectivity like ten percent of the time. Yeah, but. I have an Ethernet cable on the outside of my house, and so when I want to bite the bullet, Ooh. I can put one more access point outside, pointed that direction, and I can have you know solid Wi-Fi if I want to. Yeah, Not there on, yet. Um, Mac Power users, uh, David talking about a little sensor in his mailbox is like, what kind of network do you have to get all the way out to your mailbox? <laughs> like, I guess if it's close to your, depends what side of the street your mailbox is on. Yeah, and if you're using like Z-Wave or like Zigbee or whatever, you can get long distances of with that. But you if you're doing okay. Wi-Fi, yeah, yeah okay. Wi-Fi, you really need something that's like on the exterior side of the house pointed outwards. But the nice thing about outside, you don't have to go through walls. There's no brick or wood or drywall. Right. So it will go pretty far okay. if it's if the access point is physically outside as well. Yeah. So we're using the wonderful center stage technology today, and I just I love how uh, the cameraman behind Apple's software wants to show your hand as you're like pointing at things. It's it's, it's kind of a a wild thing, you know. Yeah, I think it's kind of cutting off my head right now a little bit. Yeah. It's it's pretty aggressive, but I mean, it should make I, you happy working in video that you'll know that computers won't uh, <laughs> take over your cameraman <laughs> roles uh, too soon. They will not. They will not take over. You know, I do wish. So I have the studio display here also, and I really enjoy it. I use it with my Mac Studio. I do wish, in retrospect, they had not done a ultra wide angle webcam uh, with center stage. I wish they had just done like a higher quality regular wide angle yeah. and get a little better because I find center stage. Like I disable it a lot because even like right now, like it's I'm not in the middle. Like my <laughs> face is not in the middle of the frame, and it's just not. It's not. It's good. It's not that good. And uh, I yeah. would have done without. It's uh. It's I enjoyed on the iPad when I'm at the like we're trying to do a FaceTime with a bunch of people. It like zooms out to like it tries to get. It does a better job. I feel with that, and it also seems to offset a little bit of the terrible camera placement on an iPad. Like it kind of fakes it a little bit. So so bad. <laughs> I I still wish. I mean, you know, the great story of the base iPad, although yes. it's not the cheapest anymore. You know, that has the webcam in the right place. Hopefully the iPad Pro one day, maybe one day we'll get it. I don't know. Yeah, the next the next uh, real hardware revision. Uh, have you played with the, the 10th yeah. gen iPad? <laughs> I have not. I have not gotten my hand on it. I was even at an Apple Store the other day, and I, I totally forgot. I should probably have checked it out. But Yeah. Yeah. I have okay. not. Yeah, have you? I have not either. I it, It's an intriguing product, but it has such baffling decisions. Like someone I was looking like an artist and my family's looking for an iPad, kind of their first iPad in many, many years. And like I had an extra pencil two. So they had the pencil two. So it's like, has to be a pencil two iPad. So they ended up with an M one iPad air that was on sale, but it's like, if that had pencil two support, you know, that base iPad could have been, you know, their iPad, but it's such a, yeah, it's kind of baffling. <laughs> yeah. And, and my kids, they have ninth generation iPads, So still the older style, still home button or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I have no desire to upgrade them to the new base model with the old pencil. Right. Like, if I were to upgrade them, 100%, I would get a refurb iPad Air before this new one just yeah. because the Apple Pencil 2 support, such a different experience. It really is. Um, charging it and all – I don't want to deal with all the adapters. Kids are going to lose them anyway. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So iPad uh, Air. Speaking of HomeKit, uh, you've had a journey with your home. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> it's still a mess, man. Yeah, oh my so, goodness. So you uh, bravely upgraded to the 16.2 that Apple has since uh, yanked uh, the support for this new architecture. Uh, it was supposed to be yes. much faster, more reliable, and uh, what's yeah, I experienced you, you, none of that. <laughs> yeah, what, what's your, what's, what's your experience been? So I, this is one of the regrets I have. You know, I, I update all my software the minute it's available. You know, even if it's yeah. a major release, point release, doesn't matter. I like updating all my devices as soon as the public release is available. Mm-hmm. I don't do it with the betas, but yeah. public release. And the home architecture was the 16.2 update, so I did it immediately. As soon as 16.2, got it. And in retrospect, I regret it. Like, this is one of the few times where I truly regret updating my home architecture. Right. Because... For whatever reason, and Apple has not publicly acknowledged the issue, but by pulling the home architecture update, obviously is like an implicit acknowledgement that something is wrong with it. But ever since updating the home architecture, all, yeah, pretty much all my Leviton and Belkin switches disconnect uh, like at least once a week. Once a week. And the first time it happened, I factory reset them all. reconnected them and then it happened again just days later and then a listener to the apple insider show recommended just do the wi-fi reset and so for leviton and belkin switches you can hold the button for three seconds on leviton 10 seconds on belkin wemo switches and it will reset the wi-fi but not factory reset it and by doing that they reappear in my home and it's all you know, hunky dory again, but it's been a total mess. I've not experienced any benefits. I don't think it's any faster. <laughs> Obviously, not more reliable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for some reason, the Wi-Fi switches, especially, has been uh, somewhat of a nightmare. So. I mean, obviously, you can't do it now because they pulled the architecture update. But really hoping 16.3 comes out this month, maybe, hopefully soon, yeah. and it has a fix for this architecture thing. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Did you do it? Did you do the architecture update? No, because I was scared to death of this thing. I was like, Let me hold well, you off. were there. You were right. Let me hold off. <laughs> you were so correct. There was a moment um, during the beta process. I was on sixteen point two on all my stuff, and uh, all of our devices stopped talking to it. And I had just installed like an update to one of my devices. Like, oh crap! Did it automatically install HomeKit? And no, it didn't. Because. Um, I just had to restart my Apple TV and it fixed everything. <laughs> but there was a hot moment where it's like, oh, crap, I need to update uh, all, my, all my family's devices to the beta because uh, they can't talk to them until I update. And right. I'm glad I, I uh, just minutes before the update was about to install the beta on my family's devices, I did the reboot of the Apple TV. It's like, oh, that fixed it. Okay, good. Yeah, but also I also find 16.2 is just one of the buggiest versions in a long time i have many screen time issues yeah because i i use heavy screen time with my kids Mm -hmm. different like safari restrictions and all that and i will just get a blank screen like i'll go into the screen time settings on my iphone to adjust their screen time and it just doesn't load like it's just a blank screen well (laughs) (laughs) thankfully uh, they're they're very open and they say like hey safari is totally unrestricted again and i'm like oh my (laughs) word so I have to go and sometimes manually on their device. But yeah. 16.2 has just been buggy all over. And my sons, my two sons, have lost access to the home. And I've tried removing oh. them and inviting them multiple times. They're on 16.2, but for whatever reason, they cannot get accept the invite and access the home again. And so it's just it's a mess. And That's so wild, hopefully yeah. 16.3 is big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we we um we finally got a HomePod Mini in the house over the Christmas season, and that thing is really hey. cute and tiny. I must say, that's our first. 
HomePod Mini is a great Siri on the HomePod Mini, much better than on the larger HomePod. You know, it's a faster chip, obviously. Uh, but I love them. I mean, they're in pretty much every room. But that's one of the reasons, too, like when all this HomeKit stuff was happening, people were suggesting, oh, just unplug all your home hubs <laughs> and plug them back in. It's like, you don't understand. Like, I have literally uh, probably 10 or 12 HomePod Minis and five Apple TVs. Like, I am not resetting all so of them. Like, need, I'm just uh, not doing it. Yeah, you need to have those on smart switches to just yank the power. Uh, don't tempt me. Like, I have actually <laughs> thought about it. I'm like, maybe I want those unplugged. No, that's ridiculous. That I'm not is, doing yeah. it. So yeah. it's tempting, though. Yeah. Tempting. One thing we did to turn off, because it's at um, my wife's desk, like right, right under the monitor, we had to turn off the the transfer to HomePod thing when your iPhone's right next to it, because we have a charger yes. right next to it. It's like, this is just constantly trying to intercept the audio. It, it's it's pretty aggressive, especially on HomePod Mini, uh, yeah. which the U1 chip, you know, it's great, you know, that it is it's that responsive. But yeah, I, you gotta keep your distance, yeah. otherwise it'll try to transfer it will, all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. I I also find now that we do have all these HomePods, it's, listen, it's a great problem to have. I don't mm-hmm. want to complain about having too many HomePods, but I will say the whole like something's playing on a HomePod nearby, and I want to play something on my iPhone that's different yeah. is a pain in the neck because. Your iPhone, just being in proximity of a HomePod, it brings up the controls for those HomePods. Right. And so my kids, they'll be like in the bathroom playing music. And if I'm in the living room that's nearby, all every time I unlock my iPhone, it's trying to control those HomePods. Yeah. And trying to get it off those HomePods and play like a podcast for me personally without messing up what's playing in there is almost impossible. Like there is no clear way. It's just like this weird voodoo like mm-hmm. – you have to go to the control center and then tap iPhone, but sometimes it moves what's on the HomePod to your iPhone. Like yeah. it's not, it's not exact. And so, hopefully, maybe iOS 17. This was on my wish list is to clean up the whole AirPlay control center HomePod deal because it's a little convoluted right now. Yeah, it is kind of, <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting. Like when people are watching stuff on Apple TV, you can just kind of like, where are they watching? I can just check on my iPhone because the now absolutely. Yeah. And and even and even in the control center now, like if you go to the little AirPlay symbol or, or the remote and you, you know you can connect to any Apple TV, yeah. now like your whole lock screen, which is actually a nice feature, but your whole lock screen becomes what is playing on the Apple TV. Yeah, it's great. So like yeah, and I really like it. Like we were watching a movie here and uh, Arrival. Uh, shout out to William Gallagher. It's one of his favorite movies. But we were watching Arrival, and like every time I like my iPhone, nice uh, uh, movie art right there on the lock screen. Play, pause, all the Apple TV controls are there. Like so, great integration there. Like when you want it, it's awesome because yeah. it's all right there, very easily accessible. And uh, yeah, I, I use the the remote in the control center on my iPhone for every Apple TV. Like I rarely touch an Apple TV remote. Yeah. And one of the things I love uh, having I have a HomePod uh, OG hooked up to the Apple TV. And uh, if I'm getting enough yeah. to get a drink, I'll just tap the top of the HomePod to pause. It. And that, that's yeah. a nice little thing that people don't really appreciate that much. I don't. Absolutely. And there's a lot of shortcuts integrations you can do with even like turning on captions for something playing on the Apple TV. Yeah. And like going backwards or forwards a certain amount of seconds. And uh, Matthew Casanelli, uh, he's been on your show, yep. uh, I know, before. But he has a great shortcut that uh, he says, what did they just say? And it re- like goes back 30 seconds, enables captions, plays it, and then disables captions after yeah. whatever, like a minute. It's so cool, that kind of integration. Yeah, you can totally. So you are the proud owner of an M2 iPad Pro. Um, I do, Yes. And uh, this is an upgrade from the M1. 
Um, yep. This was uh, not a huge upgrade as we were all uh, found out about. And uh, I believe you upgraded because you had a place for your M1 to go within the family. There was a need for that iPad to move along. <laughs> My wife got that one because she was on like the old school home button iPad Pro. Yeah. I think it was a 2016 or 2017 model. And yeah. it, like it was fine, but you know, she it was a big upgrade to go to an M1 iPad Pro. And so wanted to do that. She uses it a lot for digital sheet music. She plays the oh, flute nice. and she's in an orchestra. And so she uses the Fourscore app. And she will practice off of it. She'll even sometimes use it in rehearsals, playing off of it. Does and she so she really uses Bluetooth the Bluetooth pedal. We've thought about that, yeah. um, and I, I looked into it. But you can now actually turn pages with AirPods. Uh, you can actually, yeah, turn a page. Even I think maybe tilting your head. I think there was a, a command in Fourscore. And so once that came out, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how she does it. Once that came out, though, we were like, well, I guess we don't need the pedal, and it's one less thing to charge, you know. So. Yeah. With the AirPods, I don't know. I'm a musician. I don't know how to feel about having one ear kind of, even with transparency, kind of like blocked off a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's not perfect. But, you know, when she's practicing, turning pages quickly is not super mission critical. Yeah, and uh, I think she still uses physical sheet music like for a concert. You know, okay. like when it's concert yeah. time, she still uses that. So you know, the the turn pages thing was just uh, every once in a while. But I have to say, Fourscore, I, I don't know if you've ever had the developer of it. I'd, I'd love to reach out to him, but this is like a one man show. Fourscore is mm-hmm. is one dude. He's developed it from the beginning years. of like iPad the two, first I iPad, think. first iPad. Yeah, it's been around. Uh, yeah, the 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 OG because I used yeah. it from having an original iPad, and it is an incredible application. I thought it was a whole team behind it. But uh, if you do anything with digital sheet music or want to start, like, it's wonderful. It's a great application. Yeah. And uh, if we get that 16-inch iPad, that'll be even uh, a better place, you know, to use Foursquare. I, you know, unless there is some incredible feature on a larger iPad, I don't know if I'm going to go any bigger. Like, the 12.9-inch, like, this is a big... It's your mobile device for you. That is true. If, if I was using it primarily on a desk, I guess that would change. But Because, uh, like, even this... I want it for the XDR screen. Yes. You know, because the, the the mini LED is just beautiful. And if not if the eleven inch had it, I might have gone back yeah, in the M two iteration. Is so much better though, yeah. Love the screen. And I do watch things on it periodically. And when I watch things like I want it to look good. You know, yeah, I want totally. the blacks to be black and stuff and, and the iPad Pro is just amazing. And for editing podcasts on iPad in Ferrite, as you know, I do. I want a nice screen. You know, I yeah. want a nice display. And yes, I'm just like messing with waveforms, but it it makes a difference. You know, having that good experience. It so does. And I like it. Pro promotion. I feel when editing is, I, I notice it. Uh, I don't know with the mini. You edit on the mini as well. Um, if promotion kind of like, you, you if you'd like that stuff to come down. And yeah, I I do think it makes a difference because I really loved editing podcasts on the mini for a while. Um, and I did it cause it was so light, but it did get like it, it blurry. Like when you're yeah. wanting to go back and forth in the timeline, it, it gets pretty blurry. And I, I just, I like the promotion for that. Yeah. So with the M2 iPad pro, you get this wonderful new hover ability, which, um, uh, what any thoughts after using it for a couple months here? What, what is, you know, navigating the iPad, uh, more fun or you really need to have a, an app build-in support for it uh, specifically, which I, I talked to Canis, the developer of Ferrite, and he didn't have any plans right now. 
But um, I actually disabled it because in Ferrite specifically, it felt a little distracting because every time my pencil would get near the screen, things would like highlight yeah. and enlarge. And again, not something that Canis did in the app. It's just that's how the iPad interprets the hover in any situation. So like even on the dock. But yeah, so the hover, yeah, the hover, I, I, I disabled it. I, you know, I just found it a little distracting. I think if you're an artist, you know, I think Procreate and other apps really incorporated that hover feature. Apple Notes has a couple things you can do, but definitely not a reason to upgrade. If someone was considering the M2 yeah. iPad Pro for hover, do not. Yeah. <laughs> not not worth it. <laughs> hover. <laughs> Safari seems cool. I wish, is there an easy shortcut you could hit a thing to get to the setting to swap that on and off easily? Or I don't think there's a shortcuts integration just yet. Um it would be nice if you could like enable or disable per app. Okay. That would be cool, um, like an accessibility setting or something. Yeah. But I don't think that's in there just yet. You know, maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And when I spoke with Canis, he was kind of baffled as to what to do with with Hover because, like, it's like, what do you do with this thing? I don't know. I mean, I do use the Ripple Delete pretty often, um, and I don't know if maybe hovering you could kind of like preview a section that you're about to delete but then like touch it i guess to delete it i don't know if that would be any faster than just like dragging it yeah i mean hover previewing the audio because it has the real-time playback when you're doing stuff scrubbing i don't know yeah maybe i yeah i don't even know if it's worth it but um all that to say though ferrite 3 which just came out incredible love everything about it canis killed it yeah and uh just kudos it's wonderful Oh my it's, it's saving, I think, both of us just hours upon hours every month of editing with uh, the 2x speed, which I've now, that's what I edited. I'm just 2x all the time, pretty much. What's bizarre is when you've edited an entire show at 2x, and, you know, if you go out, well, and if, if you go out of Ferrite and come back in, I think it, re, it. Yeah. it goes back to 1x. And when that happens by accident, I'm like, why is this in slow mo? You know, just the voices sound like. Like, and I'm like, is that how it sounds? <laughs> yes. And it's this weird thing where your brain just adjusts to that 2x. And uh, yeah, I mean, it makes my editing twice as fast. I mean, it's incredible. Love it. Yeah, I was telling Candace, like, at first, I had to go 1.25 because anything faster felt too fast. And I'm now at 2x. And when I go to 1x, like, whoa. I'm, yeah, I'm at 2x now, too. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if a 3x might be uh, feasible. Yeah, I asked him, it's like, is there a limitation to go faster? And he's like, he said there there is some kind of limitation. Uh, he wasn't sure if he could go a bit faster, but there is. He did test uh, even faster. I think what is a, there's one podcast app that has 3X. Is it Overcast? Or it might be. I, I also, I don't listen to podcasts. I, I'm a 1Xer or smart speed thing. So, like, this is new for me. Same. Yeah. I, I only do 1X speed in podcasts unless. Unless for some reason there's like a bunch of episodes that are out and I'm a little bit of a completionist and I want to listen to multiple. And, then, you know, if Gruber's talk show is running that three and a half hour timeline, you know, then I may do a 2X. Maybe. Yeah. Bump it up. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Ferrate 3, amazing. I did a, yeah, a very um, long interview with Candace about that if you want to check that episode out. Um, yeah, so... We we went nitty gritty with all this stuff in there, yeah. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Overcast does have three X. They're the one podcast app that does three X. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't know. I can listen to that. But. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, one of the 
One of the coolest things Candace shared was something that Apple added in iOS 16 is their FaceTime technology yes. they use for audio isolation of voices and stuff. That's a plugin now, an audio plugin, and it's available on Ferret as a post-processing thing. So if you have some audio that has background noise, it does a really impressive job cleaning that stuff up. It's like sound isolation mode. It's an Apple official plugin. And it takes a while for the export, even the M1 iPad Pro, um, but it does a great job. And I, my, my feelings are that it's probably better than even the right. real-time stuff FaceTime does because it's post-processing. So it doesn't have to do this real-time. It's doing it in post, and it, it sounds great. So um, that's kind of like a hidden gem of iOS 16 that is now surfaced by Ferrite. Well, when that came out for Final Cut, voice isolation came out, and it was it's just built in. I pray like I did a whole video on it on my yeah. channel because it was so so good, so much better than noise removal built in. I find it better than even like I have RX10, the audio suite, which has incredible tools. Like I use their breath control, their deesser, but when it comes to noise yeah. removal or echo, it, voice isolation even does an incredible job with echo and reverb in the back of a recording. The voice isolation feature is amazing. And now you got me looking in the uh, in Ferrite. I'm looking at Apple's things. Their their um, effects. Is it in the effects of Ferrite? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna pull it up now and hopefully. Oh, sound isolation. I see it. Sound isolation. Okay, so it's that's that's a little different because it's it's called voice isolation in Final Cut. Here in Ferrite, it's called sound isolation, but then it has voice as like the selection. Yeah, it's the only option. The only option is voice, but but that's amazing that it's a, that it's a plug in there. hundred percent voice isolation, amazing. Two thumbs up. Yeah, because I've used right. Bruce Free in the past, and that plug in sometimes is hit or miss. This one built in through Apple, yeah, it's great. Um, oh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Everybody should try it out. Yeah. So, um, with video work, is ProRes something you ever even mess with, or the files just too big? I don't mess with it. I mean, I, t- I tried it a couple times like on my iPhone and I was like, okay. yeah, it makes a bigger file. I think better quality, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not a super cinephile. Like I'm not pixel peeping and I'm not, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And the web's going to compress stuff. Anyway. It's going to compress stuff. So when I need to capture video on my phone or iPad, I just open the camera app and I just record. I will do pro raw pictures if, if I want to do some kind of like Lightroom post-processing on yeah. that. But ProRes video, I, I don't find it really worth mm-hmm. it in in my workflow. But cool that it's there. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I also do the the photo thing with ProRaw, but have not mentioned meshed with video just because the file formats are so big, and uh, I'm I'm not that much of a yeah. I don't I don't dig into the video files that much. It's it's a pain in the butt to get the files off the devices too. You know, you can do image capture if you connect it directly to a Mac. Yeah. I typically just do AirDrop, but then AirDrop can take forever on some big files. I'm like, Meh, not worth it. I'll just record straight video. It's yes. great. So, so Final Cut Pro's the app you use to do most of your editing. Oh yeah, I do everything in Final Cut Pro. Love it. Still would like it on the iPad. <laughs> Is. Is DaVinci Resolve on iPad a tempting thing to try that out on Mac and or not? It's zero. Too much work to learn the new app and zero. I have zero. 
Yeah, and I, I spent some time with LumaFusion because I was like, I would love to be able to, if I'm on the go and I know I'm going to edit something, but it's a simple edit, to do it on my iPad. Like, that would be really cool. But I just find Final Cut feels so good when I edit it on the Mac. Like, I just want Final Cut on the iPad. Like, I don't want yeah. an alternative. And I could learn Resolve, and I'm sure it's great for people who use it. And some yes. people, that's their workflow already. And for them, that's great. But for me... I, I just want Final Cut. And yeah. so until I can do it on the iPad, it's going to be Mac only. But when it comes to the iPad, oh. Yeah. Hopefully it gets there because I, I do miss Final Cut. I, I had I used 10 back when it first came out to my 2011-inch MacBook Air. And, uh, and sure. that's a sure. great on the old MacBook Air. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. And I'm, I've been Final Cut like Express like way back when I was in college. Love it. Oh yeah, I ran a computer lab in college, and we had uh, the big, the big boy, and also the limited uh, express version. So I remember installing the six CD thing. You pop in CD for sure. Yeah, but uh, no, I loved it. So I, I've been a Final Cut guy forever, and uh, I mean Final Cut Pro right now, it's so good. You know, I do a lot of multicam editing and doing the angle switching. So oh. that is so much fun with the multicam. Just click in between. It, it's great. It's amazing, and. One of the things I do also, uh, I saw this trick from Rene Ritchie where he makes, you know, when he's editing, he'll make everything a compound clip. And then if you want to make an adjustment, like a color adjustment, it affects the whole thing. I do a similar thing, but all through multicam. Mm -hmm. And so when I film a video, I have video from my Sony a7 IV and I have audio from my shotgun mic from my Mix Pre 3. And I'll do a multicam clip, even just with those two things. Like I'll do a multicam clip with just the video and the audio. And it acts the same way right. as a compound clip. So if I want to adjust the color across my entire video, even after I've made a bunch of cuts and edits, I jump into the multicam clip and I can edit it there. And I can make adjustments to the audio or the video and it carries throughout the project. And so that's a great workflow for me. Oh, very nice. Yeah. The other um, big pro apps that came to iPad this fall were the Affinity apps. Um, so we now have uh, Publisher sure. and the new versions of Designer and Photo. So that's it's good to see all these. You know, we have Resolve. So hopefully we'll get more and more. Those are great. Yeah, those those are great apps too. I know Wes Hilliard from Apple Insider. He loves the the Affinity Suite. I still find like Lightroom. You know, I don't know if I would pay for Lightroom personally. I have the licenses through work, and because of that, I'll keep using Lightroom yeah. if ever. I don't have a Creative Cloud license from an employer. Like I use Pixelmator on the Mac, and that's amazing. Love that. Uh, <laughs> but I would probably spend more time yeah. with the Affinity Suite learning that just so I don't have to have another subscription. Like I would love just a one-time purchase photo editing app. Just <laughs> let it be that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pixelmator Photo is my go-to. I've tried them all. That's my go-to on that. Yeah, it's a great app too, for sure. Yeah. Um. As far as HomeKit, any new stuff you're playing around with or looking into getting? You know, I'm waiting to see what comes out at CES. You know, all this Matter stuff is, uh, you know, kind of exciting. I don't know, for HomeKit users, it's kind of a weird, like, you don't really get new device categories through Matter, and maybe you'll just get a few more options for, like, smart switches and plugs, which is great. But for me, you know, I've kind of decked everything out. I will say the new Lutron switches, um, I got the new Lutron claro and the lutron diva and i love lutron switches because they're just the most reliable they're rock solid and but the thing about the old lutron switches is they had a very unique look you know they were flat switches and they had the icons on all the buttons 
And they don't look great next to just normal paddle switches. But these new Lutron switches, the Claro and the Diva, are just regular-looking switches. They look just like a paddle switch. They feel great to do up and down. You can get the dimmer. The Diva is the dimmer, I think, and the Claro is a regular switch. And so I got one of those, one of each of those, and they look great, and they they are super reliable. And so, with all this HomeKit shenanigans with the sixteen point two architecture, I'm tempted to slowly replace my other Wi-Fi switches with these Lutron. They're not cheap though; they're like sixty and seventy dollars. So now that's up. Uh, you have more one light switch in the house. Yeah, exactly. So like I've not bit the bullet and done a ton of those. You know, you can either get a HomePod Mini or a Lutron switch, and sometimes you want another HomePod Mini. So we'll see. Uh, but over time, I think if if someone's starting out now, though, just go Lutron. Just get the Lutron switches. They're so good. They're really good. Yeah. Any um, new iPad things or apps you've been playing around with in the past couple months here? Oh, man. I mean, we, we just sung the praises of Ferrite 3. It's so good. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I messed around with Freeform for a little bit. That was okay, but not something really for me. Do you have a use for that? Like, do you do collaboration, brainstorming stuff at all? Or, like, sketching out your, vi- I don't know, would your videos, like, mind mapping those out and moving three, four? Not, not really. Not really. I I actually just recently started using Trello for my personal stuff. Um, I've used, like, pretty much every project management yeah. app. Like, I've used Asana, I've used Flow, used Monday, used everything. And uh, But Trello is has a nice free tier. And so I've used, I'm using Trello everywhere, iPad, iPhone, and on the Mac, in the web, and that works great. Uh, but otherwise, like, again, this is I don't regret updating to the M2, but I really had no reason to upgrade because the M1 would have been so good. I'm not doing anything like DaVinci Resolve right. is the big new app, and it's exciting, but it's just not something I'm using, you know. You're going to use it for it. Yeah, your iPads. Use it for podcast setting is kind of your main pro use of it. Yeah. Podcast setting is the main deal. And, you know, it's it's worth it for that because, uh, you know, I edit three to four shows a week and it's super fast and I, and I love it for that. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I like putting it in the Magic Keyboard and like going off and writing with it, you know, if I'm taking notes or whatever, like it's great for that. But, uh, yeah, I guess as like a fun new app, I'm kind of like a boring user. Like it's Ferrite and it's like watching stuff and taking notes. Like that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. Right. Do you have a... Do you have a backup strategy with the podcast in Ferry? Do they go to the Synology or do they just kind of live on the iPad until you run out of space? <laughs> well, because I record on my Mac still, I have all the WAV files in iCloud Drive saved on the mm-hmm. Mac. And so, like, that's saved. It's in iCloud okay. Drive. Periodically, I do just, like, delete a year's worth of WAV files because I'm like, I literally... Because that stuff adds up. You have two, two or four terabytes to work with. Oh, yeah, and it, it is just, like, I'm never going to do something with, like, a hundred episode ago Apple Insider wave files. Like, I'm not doing anything with that. And so I'll just delete those. Right. Especially, it's like a news-based show. It's not like um, you'd go back for, like, some kind of, like, yeah. Yeah. Um. Exactly. So I have no backup for iPad. But I will say the iCloud backup, you know, when you restore from a backup, like, all of your Ferret stuff is there. And so, like, that's one of the reasons why my iCloud storage is so high, because it is backing up all those Ferrite files, like all those audio audio files from Ferrite, like, they're all there in the iCloud backup. And so if my Mm -hmm. iPad fell in the lake or whatever, I restore from iCloud backup, Ferrite is just how I left it, all my templates, everything. Yeah, I think mine's like a 350 gigabyte Ferrite install. (laughs) 
it's something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Like right, right now, let, let me check real quick because I, I do have the one terabyte uh, M2 iPad, and I'm half. I've halfway filled it. I have 500 gigabytes left, but that's just what like three or four months of using it because uh, I just got this. <laughs> so, uh, but let me see. General, let me go to storage. See what I actually. Where is it? What what are you at? What's your capacity? What are you doing there? I'm a t- I have a two terabyte or wait, that's my iPod. I'm I'm doing the same thing you are. I'm looking at if you go to I'm general shows me an you know, settings, general iPad storage, it'll take a second to load. iPad storage. So I'm using eight hundred and forty eight gigs out of my one terabyte on the iPad. That's a pretty and full most, iPad. It is. My ferrite is one hundred and eighty eight gigs right now. That's what ferrite is using. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> it, it's still a- <laughs> loading the, the little modern the modern beach ball. I, I you know what a great jailbreak would be is a replace the spinner. That would that, that would be fun. It'd be a little more nice than seeing that spinner because on the iPad that spinner is doom. This is not good. I my iCloud Drive is 104 gigs too. I don't even know what files are saved locally in iCloud Drive. That's interesting, but. Not at the top, yeah, it's eh? Loaded up. I'm trying to find where Ferret is. Yeah, it should. It should be for sure. <laughs> All those files you think are there, I uh, might not be. So okay, so I did a lot of editing just now because, so I loaded up my storage on my iPad, and the spinner came up, and there was no Ferret in this entire list, and at the top was photos at like 70 gigs, and some um, 60 seconds later, as Stephen was. Uh, Ferret then populated after the spinning beach ball uh, was done, and it, it is showing me uh, 254 gigabytes of data uh, in Ferret. All right, you, you have me be, and you're on the M2, so you just got yours same time. I'm on, on the M1. Oh, you're on the M1. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. Okay, so you, yeah, you're beating me on the storage in Ferrite for sure, and overall because you you almost filled that thing. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I've never. Yeah, nothing where, it hasn't um, appeared yet. The the beach ball's done. iPad OS is not great yet at uh, progress bars. Progress either in files, copying, like it's not great still. No. (laughs) Maybe iOS 17. We'll see. But yeah, maybe. And we'll get the audio reworking that we all want for podcast recording. (laughs) I also also am still holding out for a standalone password app because, you know, now with all the hubbub with LastPass – yeah, tear that out of uh, settings. What, what's the Especially, I mean, you could do two-factor now. You can add notes to your login items. Like, would love, I'd, and I would love shared. Like, to be able to share a vault or share a grouping of passwords with like iCloud family members. So I'm, I'm holding out. Hopefully, standalone password app iOS 17. The sharing's the big thing. So we we have a one password family account. If if, if iCloud yeah. added sharing. <laughs> Like that that's the thing cuz iCloud otherwise is so much more convenient for your in safari it, it's you know gets this good password saves it it's one password does as good of a job it can but it seems iCloud it's on Apple TV and stuff like well, and because because one password is a third party app you have that like one additional sometimes you have to unlock one password before you can autofill and with iCloud keychain there's not that like you like any login yeah. it just Boom! It's open now. Once once you've right. unlocked one password, like you're usually good for a while. Yeah. All the autofills will just appear automatically. But yeah, iCloud Keychain is just—it's really nice. Yeah. Are Are you all into iCloud Keychain, or do you use one password as well? 
I am so undecided that I just add every new login to both places. And one day I will decide which way to go. Or I'll just keep doing both. Well, it's funny. Sometimes I'll like, it's like iCloud asks me, do you want to save this password or one password just autofill? It's like, sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm also a redundancy. Again, like as before we recorded, I'm like, I want to record at least two places. So I'm recording to my SD card and uh, audio hijack. And so when it comes to passwords and stuff, it's like, I also want a redundancy there. And uh, I don't know if iCloud Keychain has a way for you to like print out your entire deal. Yeah. Um, one password lets you back up your entire oh, thing yeah. and you can have like a CSV file or whatever and then save that or even print it out. But... I would. I want to make sure that iCloud can do that before I jump, <laughs> before I jump ship. Yeah. Ha, have you gone through the data protection, advanced data protection thing? Yet? Again, like a early adopter, sometimes mistakenly did that on day one. Yep. And enable advanced data protection. I did. You do have to remove okay. any devices from your iCloud account that have not been updated. And so I removed an Apple TV that wasn't oh, connected at the moment. And I did go through the process of reconnecting it. And it, does since work. And so if anyone is wondering, like you can remove an, a device from your iCloud account to enable advanced data protection. And once you turn that device back on, start it up, you really just have to sign into iCloud again. And, you know, depending on the device, different process, but it, but it works. Um, it has to be on 16.2 though, right? I couldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. My 2011 Mac could not sign back in. Has to be on sixteen point two. Yeah, you won't you won't be able to. No, 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 you won't be able to sign back in uh, to iCloud. So that that is an issue if, if people out there have older Macs and they can't upgrade to Ventura. Like, I guess you're out of luck there. It's true. Yeah, I think it's Macs true. are the big thing because like people keep those around forever. Uh, I iTunes Match and the i Apple that's a different um, login. So that's not that's not iCloud. So I could theoretically used to be logged out of iCloud, but still do iTunes Match on that machine. Yes, I, I think so. It it's because they're different. Yeah, they're different. I they're, they're different emails for me. Even <laughs> like, it's the media yeah. and purchases. Oh, see, that's that's the thing. If they're different emails, which my wife had that for a, such a long time, we lost access to our Hotmail account. I talked about it on the Apple Insider podcast. Such a chore to to get it in one, but. I would encourage yeah. anyone out there, try to, to sooner rather than later. Like, it's never going to get easier to switch your purchases and media to the same email as your iCloud account. And I find I prefer it to be the same one everywhere, which maybe, maybe have reasons not to. Yeah. I By the time iCloud rolled out, I was so ingrained. Like, I have, like... Over a thousand movies purchased in that ID. Like I'm so there. Like it, it. There's no way to merge it at this point. That is the thing too. Like I had the. I was fortunate where I was like the family account owner, and anytime we ever purchased pretty much anything, an app or whatever, I would typically purchase it knowing it would be shared through the iCloud family. Yeah. And so for my wife, all she had to do was like I removed it from the family. She changed what email was associated with the media and purchases. I added her back to the family, and she has access to all of the purchases that we previously made. All she has to do sometimes is the annoying thing of, like, deleting an app and reinstalling it because when you reinstall it, then it's associated with the new uh, email address. But if you purchased a bunch of stuff on that other email that's not your iCloud email and you're the family owner, like, I don't know what you do. I don't know. That that actually works. So all my purchases are shared with the family, even though it's not my iCloud email. So there's some way it's um, 
that Apple, I, I've told Apple where my media is and where my iCloud is, and it's kind of like linked together even for family purposes. But would that be the case if you change what email is associated with your media and purchases? That would be probably, probably, probably not. Probably, I, that's, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on my That Google. would be stuck because, again, like with my wife, her playlists are synced through the media and purchases email. And so her Apple Music lost all of her playlists. And so we did the thing yeah. where like share each playlist via link that she wanted to keep oh, in her account. Yeah. So it's a pain in the butt. Uh, I mean, I just keep, just keep it separate probably <laughs> for as long as you can. Yeah. And I have, um, there was an app that we needed for uh, a baby. Uh, we got the outlet sock, but uh, the American version through, cause the FDA, whatever, um, said you can't have this uh, do real time oxygen. Uh, so I had to use, I have a Japanese iTunes account back from when I was trying wow. to learn Japanese and have all these movies in ja- Japan. Um, so I, we doubt I have a Japanese, uh, app installed. It, it's all in English, wow. but like I had to go to the Japanese store to do this. And that's, uh, so every time I'd go to update the apps, it like asked me for that password. That's intense. So an update app for it. Um, and, um, the, the, the amazing thing with the app store in Japan is they have, stories and there was like a story of like this like uh, you know um like this artist in japan using procreate so that also struck me that the app stores regionally have their own hmm. teams of like right. media people writing the same things that we have in america for all the little um yeah i, I found that fascinating that, 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 that's interesting yeah quick real-time follow-up i did just export all of my passwords from iCloud keychain and it does let you save a csv file and it has all the information. It has the website, the username, the password, and it's just a plain text CSV file. You know, oh, I, nice. I just saved it to my iCloud Drive in a folder, and I'm like, that's not secure. I don't think that's secure because uh, I don't think your iCloud Drive contents <laughs> are two-factor <laughs> encrypted. You know, with all the advanced data protection, is it? I'll have to I look thought that it up. would be if it's under advanced data protection with your new account. I would double check that because I'm not on that. But I might just print it and put it in a safe. You know, that's that's the redundancy. Just print it and put it in a safe. I might do that. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, anything else before we wrap it up? No, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me again. And I'm excited for iPad stuff in uh, 2023. We could talk about it next time. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. Hopefully a big, I mean, hopefully a big year. It could be the, nothing and no new iPad Pros or we get the big, big boy 15 or 16 inch. I'm a little a little concerned, one, like the whole U.S. economy recession or whatever, but also supply chain and like Apple slowing down on certain productions. So I'm like, I'm not, just, you know. And they could wait, yeah, because normally it's 18 months. It's, it's yeah. been clockwork every Yeah, I don't think we'll get a new iPad Pro this up. year, but I'm interested to see if they update the iPad Air, what that looks like, and, um, you know, what other Apple Silicon this year because they've been they've been on a roll with that. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see the continuing story of Stage Manager. If that is it done <laughs> until summer, or do we get more enhancements? Right. Up until and a Mac Pro, which I'm I'm not going to buy a Mac Pro, but I want to see like where is the deal? Like what? Where's the Mac Pro? I want to know. Yeah, yeah, they could have a little slot in it for a Mac Studio, so you just like put a bunch of Mac Studios <laughs> inside the <laughs> Mac Pro. When our powers combine, they're like Voltron. Yeah, you yeah. know, it all fits together. Yeah, yeah very uh, cool. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for your time. Uh, HomeKit Insider, <laughs> Apple Insider Podcast. Yep. Where, where else? Uh, you've been on MacBreak Weekly recently. That's been exciting. I was. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do more stuff on YouTube personally. And so you can go to YouTube.com slash 
Bearded Teacher or at Beard FM. YouTube now has like usernames and stuff. So uh, you can check me out there doing stuff over there as well. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, Tim. It's been fun. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Well, that was my discussion with Steven. My thanks to Steven for his time recording this interview. And my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. Make sure to check out Steven's YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash at Beard FM. If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash epipros or subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports the show. And with that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.